Why don't we begin? This is Fresh Hop Cinema. Hey, and welcome to Fresh Hop Cinema, uh, a craft beer and movie podcast based out of Chico, California. I swear to everything in the world that I can never get through the first sentence without saying, uh. And I think I've been trying subconsciously for years. Johnny Summers is who I'm talking to. My name's Max Minardi. I just wanted to establish that weird fact that I just noticed. Uh, Why don't you take over? There it is again. I know. Take over. Start talking, man. (laughs) You can find us on all the social medias at Fresh Hop Cinema, on Instagram, Twitter, and Untapped. Facebook is Fresh Hop Cinema Pod, Letterboxd at Max Minardi and at Johnny Summers. If you want to follow along with our movie journeys, we both are pretty active on Letterboxd as far as what we're watching. Uh, it's fun to follow along there. And also email us at fhccast at gmail.com. Our online home pretty much for everything is freshhopcinema.com. Also, you can support us financially on patreon.com slash fresh hop cinema. Nice. Uh, quick reminder, would you give a shout out to what's going on this weekend for our paying lovely patrons? Yeah, we're going to have a Zoom hangout. We've been doing little like bottle share, like online happy hour thing, as I'm sure a lot of you out there have been doing with your friends and families and whatnot in this trying time. Uh, we're going to be doing that with all of our patrons on Saturday. So uh, if you join Patreon before then... You can come do that with us and get that invite to that Zoom Zoom, dog. Yeah. Um, like I said, kind of, at the beginning of the show, we're a craft beer and movie podcast. Today, we're covering a beer from Farmer's Brewing, a beer from Ninkasi, and we're covering a movie that came out a couple months ago called Blow the Man Down. But if you've never heard the show before, you don't have to worry about spoilers for that movie until the very end of the show in a segment called The Danger Zone. Uh, so no matter what, be sure to stick around until we get to there. And then if you want, go watch the movie and come back for when we spoil it. I think that's the last bit of housekeeping I had. Also, if you've ever actually stopped this podcast, watched a movie, and came back and finished it, I want to hear about it because that seems like a ridiculous thing to do if you've made it this far. You've never uh, done that you for, act- for podcasts you listen to? No, I haven't. I just won't listen until I've watched something or whatever. Oh, that's fair. Yeah. I yeah. guess that's- Who pauses in the middle? Oh, I got to this part. <laughs> I got to go now, guys. I don't know. Uh, like, if, I, I mean, Go ahead. I know Nick Land's done that a couple times. Yeah, um, but he's the only one. So if you do that, let me know. I'm yeah. curious. I, I want. I want to hear about it. Actually, in that respect, if you've had either of the beers that we covered today, or if you have seen Blow the Man Down, let us know what you think. Regardless, uh, all the stuff that Johnny just listed, we love hearing from people. It's really nice, especially these days, to get some sort of digital human interaction. I think that's always really reassuring and and nice to hear from people, especially about their opinions about things that we also have opinions on. Yeah. And if you could put together a somewhat legible paragraph, there's a chance we might even read it on the show. Sure. Or if you have a little audio recorder on your phone, you can can, uh, record your thoughts and email it to us. That works as well. And again, like Johnny said, if they are cohesive and relatively swear-free and you identify yourself. uh, You can swear as much as you want. You can swear as much as you want, but definitely identify yourself. Look We've you, established Brandon. there's no children I don't children know listening. what's wrong with me, but I'm always like, all right, kids, time for the swear time zone. I'm going to tell you what's wrong with you. Yeah. Max, you're rated PG-13. That might be right. That's just your life. You're, you as a person are like <laughs> somewhere between PG and PG-13. Dude, I think it's when that theme song rolls and the recording and the red bars are coming across the screen. I'm like, all right, better tighten it up just in case... I don't even know, like in case my my employer's listening, which I don't yeah. have, like which is you. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what it is. Yeah, man. I think it was it silly. I don't know. 
don't you're know. silly. It's fine. All right, we could we could speak for hours as to why you're silly, <laughs> but I want to get to the part of the show that I really like. Deal. Uh, besides talking to you, obviously, that but that's that's just drinking beer. That's why we're all here. Well, uh, what is why, why I'm yeah? Why I'm here. What do we have first, um, dude? So this is a brew we've kind of been talking about doing for a little bit. I'm actually uh, friends with someone that works there. There was no affiliation that led to us doing these beers. Just a fact that I know a couple of people that work out there uh, at Farmers Brewing. It's actually a new startup brewery uh, owned by some rice farmers out in Princeton, California. Uh, if which if you don't know it, it's kind of out like off I five, <laughs> if like on the way to like Clear Lake, kind of somewhere out there. You know, it's, yeah, it's in the it's in the fields. Yeah, but. Uh, yeah, I've heard they have a really nice brewing setup. We're doing today a beer called 530. It is a wheat beer, 5% alcohol, and untapped out of 73 ratings. It ranks uh, 3.62, so not too bad. A little bit from their website about this beer. Uh, they say it is a very refreshing, easy-drinking beer. Along with U.S.-grown barley, the grain bill consists of medium-grain sushi rice and soft, white, winter wheat grown and harvested on the fields of our family farm. 530 is late-hopped late during the brewing process, producing a slight citrus and floral aroma with flavor and flavor. The residual yeast produces a subtle yet complex flavor, and the drinkability of 530 will have you enjoying more than just one. Fair. Max, have you tried this? I just did. Yeah, it's pretty drinkable. I, I would push back a little bit against maybe the touting of a complex flavor. I don't think this is maybe the most complex tasting wheat beer I've ever had, but it is very easy drinking. I'd call it refreshing for sure. It's nice to know that this is, uh, there's a lot of, well, it's nice to know what the grain bill is because I feel like it's helping me pick out a few things. Um, but it is. I you, mean, pick, you picking up that sushi rice? I get that sushi rice and that soft white winter wheat. Um, That's just it's, a fun sentence to yeah, say. Yeah, I'm surprised you didn't go for the huh sounds. There was, there was a nice, it teed you up pretty well, but I respect it either way. Mm, profesh. It's, I mean, it's a really drinkable beer. It's very approachable. It's, it's not, like I'm trying to think of other wheat beers. Like commercially, I think the one that comes to mind, the biggest one is probably, I don't know, Blue Moon. Um, and that's an unfiltered wheat beer, so it's not exactly playing in the same ballpark. But and that's like a Belgian wheat too, so it it's going to huh? be different. Yeah. You think like Trout Slayer wheat wheat ale? Is something that like that? Is is that Six Rivers? Yeah, no, that's um, that's uh, Big Sky Montana. Oh, it is. I don't think I've ever had it. You've never had Trout Slayer? Mm-mm. I know I've seen it. Though. Maybe it sounds familiar. Now, uh, yeah, we should do that for the show if you've never had it. We just did something from them not that long ago, so it wouldn't work out super well. But hey, just try it. Pick up a six-pack. It's fantastic. Yeah, I think where my brain goes on a little bit of a craftier scale is is maybe old Chico Crystal Wheat. A little bit, yeah. Um, just in terms of kind of a bar for myself, because I love the Crystal Wheat. I think it's great. Um, but there's something a little bit actually more metallic about the Sierra Nevada versus this. I think this mm. is a little bit sweeter and a little bit smoother. I could see that. Yeah. I'm kind of into it. Yeah, it's real nice. It doesn't have like that thickness. A lot of wheat beers are like, you can almost taste the wheat like it's filling. You know what I mean? And this this seems way more like crisp and refreshing. I like it, and I like the the local aspect of it too. Sure. Just that a lot of the the rice and and barley and whatnot was grown, you know, less than an hour from here. That's mm -hmm. pretty dope. Yeah, with running the risk of sounding like an idiot, I do think that in a lot of wheat beers, the hops kind of take over. But I do think that sort of the grain bill is front and center here. And I think it works pretty well. Yeah. I don't think that's true. Do you really not? Cause I, I what am I, maybe it is just the hops I'm tasting here. I don't know many wheat beers that are labeled as a wheat, like a wheat ale that, uh, 
have a lot of hot presence at all. They're usually very mellow and like subtle. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Very like malty and grain bill forward. You get a ton of the wheat. Yeah, I'd like to know more about. It sounds so stupid. I, I felt really uh, nerdy last week talking about sort of the difference between kettle souring and stand, whatever, and open fermentation and whatever. Um, and now I feel like I'm backpedaling, but I want to know more about the difference between if I'm tasting a grain bill or a malt bill. Like, I, I want to know the difference and how I can tell. And I need mm. to do some research on that, I think. Yeah. Uh, I mean, grains, they just, I mean, malt is a grain, right? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> we need a brewer. We need this quarantine to be over and we need to get a brewer on here. Yeah. I think it's been far too long where we run into these walls. We're like, I don't know, maybe. Let's um, get, We yeah. should just right now. I know we don't like to talk about production notes. But I, I love let's, it. Let's start a list of things that we like sh- questions during the show that come up that we need to ask a brewer. Okay. I'm on it. Kettle sour versus open fermentation is one of them. Uh, you know, what's the flavor profile of a, a malt bill versus a, uh, grain bill and like with a beer like this or a wheat beer what are we tasting is it more of a grain bill or more of a uh, malt bill if you're a brewer that's listening email us because we want to know yeah that would actually be super super helpful yeah okay but i have that list uh, going now we have a doc a google doc yeah because i mean we have some plans for the future to get some very important folks on this show so yeah i want to come at them with some questiones <laughs> yeah you know? i just like to not sound like a total idiot that's my yeah, i mean that's, that's my goal that's just my goal in in life yep. most of the time. So yeah, especially when we're recording this, it's it's ideal to sound somewhat intelligent or at least pretend. Uh, that said, there was a point when we started doing the show for about a year, I would try to go back and listen to see like if there's anything I needed to cut out that was so stupid sounding. And I th- <laughs> I think after that, I'm just like I don't care. I like I'm not the world's smartest person, especially when it comes to this kind of stuff. So yeah, what you, you know, hear people- is what you get. People listen for your PG-rated idiocy. I thought we said PG-13. I'm on back. I'm on going further back. I, it goes back and forth. Yeah, you know. It just it just depends. You depends know. I don't. Day. I don't know. Yeah. It depends. It depends on what you're talking about. Sometimes <laughs> right. it's a little risky. Sometimes there might be a butt cheek, and then it gets into the PG-13. Yeah. I think um, I think you can be a PG-13 and still get one fuck if I, I do declare, and I just use I mine. Think you so can. there you go. There it is. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> You're uh, hilarious. All right. Well, tell me what you think of this beer. Do you like it? Do you want more of it? Would you recommend it? What do you rate it? What do you think? Yeah. Overall, I definitely like it. I was surprised. I I never had anything from them. Um, I think they are relatively new to this area, so I was a little bit hesitant. I'm I'm always scared about small startup breweries because oftentimes there seems to be a bit of a learning curve. Even mm-hmm. something now that seems so established as Secret Trail is, when they started out, there was there was certainly improvements from day one to like six months in. Oh, yeah. I'm not afraid to say it. They got way better. They got way better. Yeah. They I, got way I, better. I think even with Secret Trails sort of um, skew towards more traditional beer styles often, and I don't always mm-hmm. like that, I, I can still now confidently go in and try one and know that even if it's not my favorite style, I think I'll probably enjoy the beer. It'll be well made. Yeah. Um, and that Greenergy that just came out? Yeah. So good. <laughs> Greenergy is real good. I think I, a couple of weeks ago, I went back and got a few a few four packs of that. Yeah, it's like hands down the best beer they've ever made. Like, ooh, if that, that's man, not a, maybe, yeah, it's I'm, pretty. I'm good. saying it. I it's think my favorite is it Greenergy or Greengate? Because one of those is a fieldwork beer. I yep. I think right. it's Greengate, right? I don't know. It's because Greenergy feels fieldworky to me. Uh, Greengate. Yeah, you're right. Okay, good. Just making sure we both knew what we were talking about, but it's nice to clarify. Yeah. 
Green energy is good too. I like green energy a lot. Anything with green, I guess, in the name. That's the secret. Brewers from two people that don't know what they're talking about. You want to make a good beer? Put green in the name. That's what I said. Yeah. That's that's fair. I'm down yeah. with that. But circling back around to 530, I think it's super, super delicious. It's not actually very hot out today, but this does strike me as a very, very tasty warm weather beer. Yeah, me too. I like it quite a bit. It's something I'll be, you know, grabbing some of the summer. They actually have a um like almost like a Bud Light style, like light lager. Oh. Like a, a rice lager that's like I think four and a half percent, give or take. Uh, do you have their website pulled up? Because we could tell them for sure. I don't, um, but I can get it real quick. Yeah, but it's it looked really good. But this one seemed a little bit more like a fun test for them as a brewery to see like what they're kind of all about. Good place to start. Okay, um, sure, yeah. You know, but I would definitely, I'm going to be trying that uh, that light beer. And then uh, they had a couple more. So, yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see what's up with these guys. Yeah, I think the one you're talking about is called, it's called Farmer's Light. It's It's 4.1%. I think it has mm-hmm. 99 calories. So one of those types of beers, just like a nice, yep. easy drinking lager. Um, on the yeah, website, exactly. they do say brewed for refreshment. This beer is a premium light lager containing yet 99 calories. Um, US, uh, U.S. grown barley and a special variety of sushi rice grown at the brewery make up the grain bill. Farmer's Light is cold fermented, sure, with a clean flavored lager yeast. Yeah, it just sounds, it's saying all the right words for uh, tasting the way that I expect it to taste. It's funny when loggers brag about that because if you don't, cold, <laughs> it's a vein cold if you don't yeah. cold ferment it, it's not a lager. Yeah, but like, I mean that's still nice to put in there, I guess. But yeah, 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 sure. It's a it's a fun thing to say, but like it's silly to me. Like, Have you ever seen like an IPA or something or a paleo? Like we we cold lagered our paleo. No, I haven't either. But I, can you? Could you do that? That's, I'm put that, that's I'm the that difference. on a list. No, can that's the difference lager? between uh, like a pilsner cold or a, a lager and an ale. Okay, I'm just going to put on our brewery question. Can the, you cold ferment a paleo? No, you can't. I'm telling you for 100% certain, that's the difference between an ale and like a lager or a, a pilsner. A pale ale is the, is, question mark. <laughs> putting no, anyways. you can t- put that off the list. I just answered it. All right, fine. <laughs> no, 100% you can't. That's that's. You're d- saying the it's definition physically difference. not possible? If you hot ferment it, it's not a pilsner anymore. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Like, it has to be for, to be that. Well, then I guess what I'm asking is, what would happen if you took every other step from an IPA, but then just cold fermented it instead? I don't know. I don't know either. I, I, I don't either. Might be that's gross. Some, that, that's the question you should write down. Oh, God. Okay. Uh, okay. What would happen if you made an IPA, but in all caps... Then cold fermented it. You never know. You could be you could be redefining the craft beer industry right I, now on this podcast. Yeah, I put a question mark and an exclamation mark. So yeah, Mad that's the science, stuff you have to look bro. forward to, everybody. Tune in for later episodes when we answer dumbass questions like that. Yeah, I mean, they're not dumb. I guarantee a lot of people yeah. listening don't know either. Fair enough. Uh, you know, we we have a medium knowledge of of beer, medium to advanced, I'd say. But uh, uh, when th- it comes yeah. to the actual, we, we're really good at tasting and knowing things like that. Uh, it, the manufacturing, where I think both of us are a l- a way less knowledgeable. Yeah, so. but even still, I'd put you ahead of me. I just said I think I'm tasting the grain bill specifically. And it's, mm. I think I'm just – I'm flying by the seat of my pants a lot more often than you are. Yeah. But maybe maybe between the two of us, we may be medium to advanced. But I, I'm go. definitely the one holding us back in that respect. And I'm fine with it's, it. I like learning. It's fine. Yeah, you know. It's like we were talking earlier. It's the yin and the yang. Right. Yeah. 
Well, I think yeah. we should. I think we should rate five three zero. What do you think? Yeah, one hundo. What do you think? I mean, that's not my rating. But what do you think? <laughs> yeah, I think we should rate it as well. I'm gonna give it. Uh, you know, actually, I want to take one more drink because it's been a quick minute. Do you have your number at the ready? Yeah, for me, this beer is like a seven point two. It's it's upper echelon of wheat beers as far as a craft wheat beer. I would say it's, um, it's it's real close to a like a Trout Slayer, which is a beer that I love. Mm-hmm. I think I'd still reach for Trout Slayer over this. Um, but this comes in cans. I don't know if, if Trout Slayer does. That's a factor yeah. like as far as outdoor activities. Uh, this is going to be a great hot weather beer. I'd say this is something also uh, that you would maybe take to a barbecue where people are drinking like a Coors Light. They might not like something like this. You yep. know? Yep. This is a versatile beer that I think would be good for a lot of occasions or just to have in the fridge. So solid beer, uh, solid introduction to this brewery. That's Farmer's Brewing 530. Max, rate it for me. Seven flat out of 10. Everything you Seven say, flat. I agree with. There's a weird sort of aftertaste that isn't sitting super well with me. I was thinking eight when I first tried it, but there is, it's almost like a, almost like a tanginess, just sort of I was the, thinking that. the back of my mouth that is, is not sitting with me super, super well, but that's really me sitting here and like just tasting this beer. I think if I was out doing yard work or out on the river or other things that I don't do, this would be great. <laughs> um, trying to think of something that I do do that would be applicable here. Um, when you're out walking the dog, walking the dog. Sure. I think it's illegal. I was going to say like, you're for driving on a hot day, <laughs> crack yeah. one of these, but that's also clearly not good. So no, yeah, I mean, you can walk the dog if you just pl- plastic cup it. That's true. Yeah. But yeah, I think yeah. it's a solid beer, man. Yeah. Seven for me, 7.2 for you. Again, that's five, three Oh from farmers brewing out of Princeton. Um, one final question then Johnny, where or two final questions, I guess, where did you get it? How much did it cost? And I guess a third bonus question, uh, how was it packaged? Uh, this came in uh, six-pack cans, plastic top. Uh, it's pretty much available everywhere. I've seen it at every bottle shop here in Chico. I picked this particular six-pack up at Chico Natural Foods because I haven't bought any beer from oh, them in a while, nice. and I like those guys. So I actually picked both of our beers up from there this week. So shout out to Chico Natural Foods yeah. for keeping the, the good beer selection. But yeah, and it was... I want to say eight ninety nine, nine ninety nine, six pack somewhere if, right in there. If it was eight ninety nine, that technically puts it cheaper than Sierra Nevada now. I think, or is Sierra Nevada eight ninety nine? I've seen Sierra like seven ninety nine. Oh, I thought it went up quite a bit, but maybe it was six ninety nine. That sounds right. It, yeah, I got it at Sierra Market for like ten bucks. I think. No, oh, there's six packs are so. like or seven ninety nine, eight ninety nine. Maybe I got something else. Either way, that's a good price for this beer. I think that's you can't go wrong. Yeah, no, it's a great it's a great six pack for sure. Word, um, Johnny Summers. Earlier, you mentioned uh, Northern slash North Carolina on our bonus content, I believe, and it got me thinking about that side of the country. And there's another state over there that you might be familiar with, called I think it's called Arkansas. It is. It's called Arkansas. You got any feelings about that state? <laughs> Guys, I don't know what this yeah. movie's about. That could be a terrible transition uh, into flick well, picks, but here we are. Yeah, I mean that was that was a segue. Sorry, for sure. we're gonna. It was definitely a segue. Yeah. I'm not gonna say it was a good one. I'm not gonna say it was a bad one. It just was. Fair. Um, yeah. No, he is talking about the movie Arkansas that I just watched. It was interesting. Okay. I will tell you a little bit more about it. I want to pull up the IMDb, but I can't find the website. Where's IMDb? Stupid. Anyways, yeah, it's got the other Hemsworth. So yeah, that's fun. Don't say the other Hemsworth. <laughs> Why? That's so, it's so, uh, it's, what's the word I'm looking for? It's so, uh, it's, it's disrespectful. It's disrespectful. Yeah. I don't know. 
but he is, so fine. Yeah. So Arkansas is a movie that just came out, uh, and it's about two guys, Kyle and Swin. They live together, and they live by... I'm going to read from IMDb a little bit. Okay. Uh, by orders of an Arkansas-based drug pin. Uh, that's They live by his orders, and his name is Frog. Wait. They've never met him, <laughs> okay. and when a deal goes horribly wrong, consequences are deadly. So this whole thing is kind of a fresh-ish take on a kind of drug mafia gangster movie like <laughs> deep south edition. in arkansas yeah like <laughs> yeah in like literally the deep deep south okay so you got like liam hemsworth vince vaughn uh clark duke plays the co-star of this movie swin and if you're not familiar with clark duke he's you'd recognize him yeah. he's been in a bunch of stuff uh hum, namely hot tub time machine he was in the office mm-hmm. uh he was i can't remember his name his name was clark his name was also clark was it yeah they do that in the office though Okay. Yeah, that's true. But yeah, he's been in a bunch of stuff. And then uh, John Malkovich, Michael Kenneth Williams, Vivica A. Fox, and then a lot of people that I didn't super recognize. Okay. Um, so yeah, I caught this online. It's available for rent on like Vudu and, and a few of those different video on-demand services. Um, you know, the cast seemed stacked. You know, you got a Hemsworth, the Vince Vaughn. I like Clark Duke. You got John Malkovich. Mm-hmm. like. You know, it seems on paper like is, this should be pretty good, um, and it was honestly just very lukewarm for me. It yeah. was an interesting kind of look at the like CD crime underworld, uh, but it wasn't really that original to me. Right. Uh, they had like this character of Swin who was uh, just over the top, kind of outlandish in like his fashion and personality that just didn't really fit in well at all. Like I was like trying to figure out the whole time, like how is this guy like, he doesn't even look like he should be in this line of work at all, much less with these people, much less in this part of the world. Mm -hmm. Um, It was interesting writing, just having him in it. Uh, I don't think it was the most original take on like a crime thriller mafia style movie. Um, It It sounds like a neo-noir to me. Uh, almost a little bit. It was definitely inspired by some of the more classic, you know, gangster movies. It's like, you know, it's like Scarface with a farmer's tan and a Budweiser. So it's like, so it's like Fargo. Uh, almost with the noir aspect. This yeah. It's going to turn into a nice tie in, I think. All right. Yeah, yeah. Um, overall it was just, it left me wanting, it wasn't super original and, uh, I won't give it away, but the person that ends up being frog, the uh well i mean it's on imdb it's not that yeah, hard to figure out right um <laughs> vince vaughn plays like sure. the the mastermind like this bad guy and i just i didn't buy it okay um i think there was some casting issues but it was entertaining but yeah i see on like imdb it's at a 5.9 and then rotten tomatoes has it as like a 47 percent. yeah and i feel like both those are probably being a little bit generous oh okay <laughs> yeah Yikes. um I'd give it like a like a five five. Okay, yeah, um, and that was bummed because you know, like I said, on paper, looking at the cast, it sh- it it has massive potential, hmm. and it ended up being just vaguely interesting, not that engaging. So you know, they can't all be winners. Yeah, I'm reading on Roger Ebert, a guy, one of their reviewers named Simon Abrams wrote, um, "You have to be interested in, or at least not allergic, to the idea of watching good old boys." pity themselves while also making themselves look savvier and more noble than the rest of the uh, hoi polloi, which is like the uh, general public. Yeah. Sounds about right. 
Yeah, that's about right. It was it was really just fine, and honestly, it was a little long. How long was in it? Like a hundred. It was like one hundred fifteen minutes. Oh, it could have been a tight. Too. Yeah, could have been a tight ninety. Easy, easy, easy. easy. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. You you can check it out. You can you can miss it. Uh, it's it's fine. All right. Well, that's that's Arkansas. If that sounds appealing to you, again, watch it. Let us know what you think. If you get a chance to try five three zero from Farmers Brewing, write us in. In the meantime, we're going to jump to a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about, without spoilers, the film that we watched on Amazon Prime called Blow the Man Down. So stick around. Hey, out there in quarantine land, all you cool cats and kittens. If you're like me and you're really tired of cooking every single meal because there's no other options and you're stuck at home, you should hit up the handlebar. They're back open for takeout. If you miss their fantastic burgers, their sandwiches, their... I love the sweet potato fries. If you're missing that sort of vibe, you should hit them up, get an order to go, go pick it up, grab yourself a prepackaged cocktail even, maybe some beer to go from their amazing selection. Uh, go pick it up, bring it home, and have yourself a nice night out in. Fair enough. Yeah, once again, that's a handlebar right here in Chico. They've been longtime friends of our show. They're open every day of the week from 12 to 8 p.m. They're at 2070 East 20th Street. So yeah, call them in, place an order, Grab it to go and have a delicious meal from the handlebar right in the comfort of your own home. On a New England Isle in a good seaport town To me below the man down Can you start over? I'm confused. It was confusing. But you had to do it right. Oh no. I lost control. With a brick. You said it was a harpoon. So what are we gonna do now? I should have just called the police. Hello? Priscilla Conley? You have a small skiff, right? Could get a little grody. A body washed up on the rocks. Enid's business is bringing shame to the town. I tried to protect these girls but I can't do everything. What did she mean by that? It used to be real bad around here. Get away from me! If it's not Enid's girls, then it's our own daughters. We wanted something better for you. By starting up. Go on, drink up. Drink up. A lot of people underestimate women. That's why they can get away with a lot. Now, what do you know about the Connolly sisters? Real nice girls. Sure about that? All right, that was a trailer for, like we said, a film called Blow the Man Down. It debuted originally at Tribeca Film Festival of April in April of 2019. Um, it got released to Amazon on March 20th of 2020. It's currently holding a 99% approval rating on Rotten Tomatoes, and it was directed by Bridget Savage Cole and Danielle Crudy. This is their feature debut. Johnny, who is in this movie? So you've got Sophia Lowe playing Priscilla, Morgan Saylor playing Mary Beth, and they play sisters. And then you have Margot Martindale uh, playing Eden, Enid Devlin. And then June Squibb playing Susie. And Annette O'Toole playing Gail. 
Yeah, there's there's other people in this movie as well, but and I'm sure we'll get into some of that, but those are the ones that I wanted to include right off the bat. Um, a brief synopsis, if you don't know anything about this movie, uh, in the fictional town of Easter Cove, Maine, while grieving for the loss of their mother, the Connolly sisters, Priscilla and Mary Beth, again played by Sophie Lowe and Morgan Saylor, respectively, find themselves sucked into a whirlpool of crime, drugs, and murder, which exposes them to the seedy underbelly of an otherwise unassuming fishing port. Um Similar to Arkansas in, in I think, some of these neo-noir kind of vibes, um, but different, I'm sure, in maybe quality. Uh, we'll get into some of this in a second. But, um, Johnny, I think I suggested this movie this week. Uh, how much did you know going in, and, and what were your kind of initial thoughts on the movie? I had just read the synopsis on, uh, oh, my God, Amazon. Good Lord. I yeah. just forgot where what I forgot what Amazon Prime was for yep. a second there. Sorry. I think I just had a mini stroke, guys. <laughs> Are you okay? Um, yeah, I'm fine. I can't feel my face. We're okay. good. Perfect. Uh no, I just read the synopsis real quick and I was like, I put it, it was actually on my list. So I, I had hmm. it on my list already when you suggested it, and I was like, Yeah, I want to watch that. I don't know much about it. Let's do it. Great. So yeah, I didn't know that it had any like real acclaim at all. Uh, but I'm stoked. That it does. I think it's deserving of some some high ratings. Yeah, so what did you, I mean, when did you watch this? Yesterday? Day before? I watched this, what's today? Tuesday? Wednesday? Wednesday? Uh, I think yeah. I, watched, I watched this Monday. Okay, yeah. I mean, generally favorable? Uh, yeah. I, I had a nice time watching it, sat down, enjoyed it. Um, it was a really interesting movie. I thought it was it was well acted. I didn't have many problems with it per se a little bit of the writing i, I can nitpick a, a, a little bit but overall i thought it was an interesting movie uh and i like you know a refreshing you know movie from pretty much mainly female perspectives it's always kind of mm-hmm. cool to see something like that um not only just you know in the interest of being inclusive and and whatnot but also it's just it's fun to see stories written from a perspective that we're not used to seeing, sure. at least in mass markets or even in small markets, you know? So I liked it for that that aspect of it. Um, I liked the chemistry between the two sisters. I think Sophie Lowe and Morgan Saylor had a really interesting relationship in this movie, and I think they acted it very well. I thought it was a real interesting dynamic that they had, very clashing personalities. Um, overall, I thought it was... It was good. I wouldn't say it was great. I say I, I would. I liked it a lot. I'm not going to say I loved it. Um, it was a very fresh take on, you know. It's funny. It's it's very similar to Arkansas in that it's a fresh take on kind of old stories, and right. old, you know, plot points. But uh, for me, this movie was incredibly well done. And when you compare it to a movie like Arkansas, yeah. it looks like an Academy Award winner. Sure. Um, <laughs> I liked. Uh, I liked Margot Martindale quite a bit. Mm. I recognize her from a million things, and I can't think of any of them. She's just like, got that face. Sure. Um, she's super recognizable. But, um, yeah, overall, I liked it. I thought it was a, a really entertaining movie, and it had some interesting twists and turns and uh, a few gripes. I mean, I kind of wish it would have kind of focused more on, like, any of the one aspects. I might get into the danger zone a bit more with that just because yeah. it will give away some stuff. But overall, a good good movie, good viewing experience, um, very, very good movie. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I had similar feelings. I did try to tie it into Arkansas as well, but it was clear that I think Arkansas, just based on what you said, kind of doubles down on some of these aspects that are a little bit tried and true and, and maybe a little bit tired at this point. Um mm-hmm. I mean, we've talked in the past about neo-noir on, on this show. 
so I won't spend too much time there outside of saying, I think this is a fresh take and almost a subversion of a lot of neo-noir tropes. Um, and generally those subversions come by way of at least looking at this movie through a feminist lens, which I think is pretty cool. I, I tried to tie into Fargo earlier because it is typically neo-noir films take place in like big cities. And there's a lot of what you were describing of like uh, crime bosses and um, guns and stolen money and dames and cigarettes and narration by a character that kind of helps us with all the weird twists and turns. Um, and some of that's in this movie, but there's a lot of that missing. And what ends up happening is that some of these new ideas fill in those gaps. And I think a really refreshing kind of way, um, mm. that said, you get a movie like Fargo or no country for old men, or, um, actually a lot of Coen brothers movies. They're very complex emotionally, narratively, whatever. And I don't think this movie has that necessarily, but I also don't think it has to like, I guess just a little bit more of a crash course on neo-noir. If you're not familiar, it has all that stuff that I just mentioned, but at the center of the story is usually like an anti-hero. Like it's all, it's like a rogue detective who's got a troubled past and like a drinking problem and whatever. And he finds himself entangled in a web of ickiness and with every pull of the thread, like more ickiness gets revealed and whatever, like all the other stuff I said, like crime and guns and cigarettes and dames and all this stuff. Um, yeah. And you see too, I mean, one thing that reminded me of, of the noir aspect of, of in this movie was the conflicting personalities. Like you almost sure. always have one person that's like pure and good and good intentioned. And then you have another one that's always like a little bit left to center and just like making very questionable decisions and a lot of times lying. So it's sure I noticed that aspect being a little bit noir and like borrowed as well, but in a good way. Yeah. I mean like one of the main visual tells of a, of a film noir is the black and white, super contrasty look, which is often a reflection of sort of either inner morality or good versus evil. So I think, yeah, like these two characters, one representing what you could view as like, survival by any means necessary. And the other is like trying to do the right thing. And those two characters together could represent like somebody's conscience and trying to whatever. I don't think we need to dig too deep into that, but there might be something there. Um, yeah. But of those two main characters, we like one clearly has a bit of a drinking problem and like kind of a rocky home life and um, is unwillingly drawn into some unfavorable circumstances which we're all kind of tells in the beginning of the movie. I was like, all right, well maybe this is trying to go for like the neo-noir route, but just in case all that didn't trigger it, there's a scene where she bumps into this guy in a bar and bums a cigarette from him. And he's then like, why don't you just go ahead and take two while you're at it? And it just felt like if it were in black and white and there wasn't a jukebox playing modern music, like that could have been a scene out of a proper film noir. Right. Um, so I started watching it that way. And the way the movie starts is actually pretty interesting too. Because again, there is no narrator per se, but you do have sort of use of almost like a pseudo Greek chorus, uh, which if you're not familiar, it's something like in in Disney's Hercules, there's the gals, the gospel choir on the vases that kind of guide you through. Um, or what's another one? Uh, uh, oh, like the Oompa Loompas in Willy Wonka that are kind yeah. of like narrating along to give you sort of like almost a, a moral guideline or sometimes a narrative guideline, whatever. Um, it's always very helpful. So the movie starts off with these guys, but except you don't know that's what they're doing because they're singing this song, uh, an old sea shanty called Blow the Man Down. And it kind of sets the tone for the rest of the movie and sort of lets you know, like, you should cue into these dudes when they start singing. 
Right. Um, which I think functions as kind of a narrative overdub, like a noir film, film noir. Mm -hmm. Um, the other really big thing, the big subversion that I noticed was there's always one or two femme fatales in a neo-noir that one's just a double crossing dame that always, she's the hot one that kind of tricks the guy and gets him into trouble. Uh, this movie's not interested in that. I don't think at all. The, the big thing in this movie is giving these women agency in some cases to manipulate the men for their own reasons, instead of to serve like the, the man's trajectory, which I think is kind of cool. Yeah, um, and it's made pretty clear that um, this town and this little economy that they're dealing with, both legal and illegal, are it's it's all ran by women. Yeah, but you have like almost these fake, like just for show, figures of authority with these two cops. Like um, you mentioned, yeah. Enid, who who runs sort of a bed and breakfast that is also a brothel um, that serves sailors that come through, and or presumably in the past there were more sailors, and now it's more, I don't know, dudes that still are on boats, but probably are just shipping stuff around. Same thing. doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. She, um, she's kind of got this older, more experienced cop in her pocket. Like he lets her get away with all sorts of stuff. It's clear. But then there's this bright eyed, innocent new cop. Who's like, why do you let her do that? And he's like challenging his superior. But then sure enough, uh, he gets sweet talked by Priscilla and it's just like this big circle. And it's like, okay, Men in this story have no pull at all. (laughs) Right. I just thought it was an interesting contrast to how little credit the ideas of women are usually given in actual film noir. Mm -hmm. That was pretty neat. That said, like with the, on the theme of, of the, uh, the brothel, there's, there's this debate that's brought up, I think in the movie about like exploitation of the girls that work in the brothel versus sort of empowerment. On one side of that coin, you have Enid being like, I'm doing what I have to do to, you know, keep the town alive and like give these girls work. And on the other side, it's like, yeah, but they're also you know, maybe not in the best situation with these less than savorable dudes that come through and have their way with them. Yeah. Um, but ultimately to answer some of your questions, I think I feel similarly about this movie uh, as I do to brick, which is a Ryan Johnson movie from 2008. I think the concept alone gets a lot of bonus points for me to the point that I'm a little bit more forgiving about the twists and turns not being that groundbreaking. I think ultimately mm-hmm. I found it like really, really enjoyable. I laughed out loud a few times. Uh, I love the aesthetic, just like the grainy, weird, wet, kind of gloomy thing. Um, yeah. More than the, anything. The, uh, yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to, to that point, the color palette, and in some scenes, the vibe, I could not stop comparing it to Ozarks. I haven't seen Ozarks. I was like, oh, it has that, it just has that real, like even... You know, you're familiar with like the idea of like a color palette being like cool, warm, sure, or neutral. Yeah. Like this has like a definite cool yeah. color palette, kind of like washed out whites and grays. If, um, yeah, it feels very like very seaside. I think they nailed that. Yeah, Ozarks has a similar feeling, but uh, I mean, com- and almost in some ways similar plot points. Just hmm. yeah, we'll we'll talk about Ozarks in the the danger zone a little bit. Okay. But, yeah, because I don't want to spoil it for anybody, including you, if you haven't fair. seen it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the color scheme and the aesthetic of this film was really nice. Yeah, man. So I, yeah, I really enjoyed the movie. I'm stoked to see what these filmmakers do next as so I'll keep my eyes open for that. But, but ultimately it was, it was a really enjoyable hour and a half. I think it was an hour and uh, 31 minutes or something. So a nice nugget of originality, I think, which was nice in, in a time of, of a lot of sequels and remakes. Yeah, definitely. I, I think that's a fair assessment. Yeah. Is there anything else you want to talk about before we, uh, Maybe crack open another beer or do you just want to rate it? 
Uh, I think I'm ready to rate it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, out of 10, what are you thinking? Out of 10, I'm thinking it's going to be an 8.2. How did you get higher than me? That did doesn't I? seem to check out. <laughs> yeah, you did. Well, I think you're just coming in kind of weak, sir. Maybe, yeah, I landed uh, on a solid eight, which I think for all intents and purposes is basically the same rating out of 10. Like there's very, we, we both clearly like this movie. Yeah. I would definitely watch it again if given the opportunity. I think some of the minor stuff that did slip by me on the first viewing would become maybe too clear on the second time, but I, I think it would still be enjoyable. Um, and I, I might even go back just to hear those sea songs again. Yeah, those are pretty those cool. Are great. I was, I was thinking the whole time. I'm like, I bet Max is going to end up covering "Blow the No, Man. I can't, yes. man. Although I did look into that song, and because I was like, what is, what could that mean? And near as I can figure, or more appropriately, near as uh, historians can figure, is that is a phrase to describe what happens when a big gust of wind, or yeah, I think it's gust of wind, catches a boat on the side and literally tips it down by pulling the sails and, and pulling the boat over, and it can actually capsize. I think that's what blowing the man down is a reference to. Yo-ho, blow the man down. Yeah, yeah, pretty interesting, I thought. It's good times. Pretty fun song. I was like, shit, is Max making me watch a musical? I know. <laughs> like, Again? The first few minutes, I was like, <laughs> oh, no. Um, Damn it, I agreed to this. Yeah, I got to say, that I told you this when you dropped off beers. The first time I laughed out loud... Because, again, I didn't really know much going into this movie. I didn't know if it was going to be super intense or funny or weird or whatever. And there's that scene that opens up when they're singing that song. And we go down this line of fishermen, and it's kind of interspliced with, you know, fish coming out of the water in crates. And there's some actually really gross, like, I don't know. I don't like fish. They freak me out. So that whole, I was, like, cringing the entire opening sequence. But <laughs> that's my own thing. Um, but there's one, like, young kid in this group of weathered old seamen. And he's just, he takes a big drag off his little vape cartridge. And it was just so yeah. out of place that it, it, I busted up laughing. And I was like, I didn't know what to expect from this movie going forward, which I really appreciated. I liked that it kind of set me off. There's like, uh, put my guard back up in a sense. Yeah. And it's cool too, because I mean, just like a Fargo, this movie really struck an interesting balance between uh, like humor and seriousness. Totally. There was lots of funny, light moments, you know, punctuated by murder. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I like that aspect of this quite a bit. Yeah, man. Pretty good uh, ratings, pretty good stuff. Yeah. I think also performances just in general were very good. There's nothing that jumped out to me as like, you were horrible. How did you get into this movie? Yeah, nothing like wow, that, that bad. None of like, the, oh, like that character wasn't even necessary. Like, yeah, totally. Why are, or just didn't fit. Like in, in the movie I was mentioning earlier, this is a character that just didn't fit. Like you don't make sense in this universe. Yeah, totally. And it wasn't cool enough or funny enough to be like unique and good. Like all these characters were written together well. Yeah, I definitely like some of the chemistry and some badass women in this movie. Totally. Tell you what? <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll get into the uh, the three or I think it's three, three older ladies that run the show, uh, maybe in the danger zone too. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, let's blow the man down. If you have Amazon prime, it's available for you to watch. Now, if you don't have it, you can still rent it on Amazon. We'd love to know what you think, but in the meantime, we're going to move on to a mammoth of a beer that Johnny picked out. This is one of those beers that, uh, if we were recording together in person, I'd be like, this is perfect. There's just enough. Instead it's a 19. I think it's a 19.2. Is it not? Yeah, bud. Yeah, a 19.2 ounce can of a 10% IPA. And Johnny, I think I'll let you take it from there. 
Yeah. I mean, I should shout out to all of the independent craft breweries that we consume on this show before we go any further, because uh, it is National Craft Beer Week. Oh, good looking out. Yeah, it is. So, yeah, shout out to all the breweries that keep making amazing beer, including Farmers and Ninkasi, Ooh. which is what we're drinking right now. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to jump in real quick, too, and say, because I just saw this before we started, um, if you are in Chico, a uh, little, little helpful hint here, Secret Trail is doing half-off growler fills this week. So oh, nice for like, craft beer week. Yeah, crazy good deal. That is good. Deal. It's like it's gonna be like eight. I don't know how much their growlers cost, but it's probably gonna be like eight bucks for a or ten bucks for like a full growler. Nice, pretty good deal. Hell yeah, yeah. Go do Hell that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so what we're drinking now is a beer called Megalodom by Ninkasi Brewing Company. It is a legendary IPA, clocking in at ten percent. What's a legendary uh, seventy IPA? IBUs? What is that? It's legendary. Okay. I don't know, but I like it. <laughs> Uh, this is a legendary IPA. Okay. The hop profile on this bad boy includes Amarillo, Azaka, Citra, Eldorado, Crystal, Equinox, and Nugget. And the kitchen sink. And the kitchen sink. It's a lot. Absolutely. Some say sea storms are a sign that the Megalodom, protector of Atlantis, is still down there, fighting off unwelcome visitors from invading her lost city. We may never know. But we did brew this legendary IPA in her honor, as a thank you for protecting all that is prized and treasured. It's bold, yet balanced, fruity, with a slightly sweet, smooth finish. This one goes out to you, Meg, queen of the doms. <laughs> okay, that Which seems a, they're reaching there a little bit, but okay. Yeah, all right. Um, just to clarify, you are saying Megalodom with an M as in Maxwell Minardi. Not no, the Megalodon, yes, like, like the shark from that Jason, I think it was probably Jason Statham movie. Yeah. This summer. Um, I want to shout out the can art too. I like Ninkasi's can art almost all the time. And this is a picture or a, more aptly, maybe a drawing of, uh, the lost city of Atlantis underwater and a big ass shark with lots of teeth swimming around it. It's kind of cool. Oh, yeah. Um, have you tried it? I have. Okay. You first. I like it. Okay. I like it a lot. It is big. It is bold. It's got tons of hops. It's very like West Coast IPA type vibe, just crisp, bitter, and refreshing. And uh, yeah, man, this is a damn fine IPA. Mm, okay. I don't. Do you think? I don't know, man. There's something weird. I don't like it. Yeah. There's like it's like sour to me on the end. What? It's like super puckery sour. What? Yeah. I, maybe it's just okay, my taste. Go get but- some water. You're broken. I've had the same stuff you've had almost, almost to a T there's like, it's, it's maybe it's just so strong that my mouth's having a hard time computing, but there's really some intense bite going on. And it's the only thing I can equate it to is how my mouth reacts to gummy worms or something. Like I'm salivating and it's intense. Um, I mean, granted I took a pretty big drink, but I, I don't think, I think it should get even more IPA ish. The bigger drink. Yeah. You take. I'm not getting anything close to sour. I'm very confused. I'll, I mean, I'll try it again, but that was intense. That was, I mean, that was distinct. Sa- and like sour, like puckery sour. Yeah, like puckery sour. I and, and what is? Yeah, I don't know, man. It's a weird. That was a weird experience I just had. I will try it again. But um, can we go through those hops a little bit? Talk about maybe like, I mean, I think we've done all these hops in various beers. I certainly don't think we've done all them together before. Uh, are no, any of them in particular really. jumping out to you? Um, 
the Azaka, because I know it's an Amarillo also, uh, because I know that they're very earthy and I get a lot of, of like a nice dusty earthiness. Hmm. Uh, and then Citra, obviously with a nice little citrus punch. Uh, and Crystal Equinox Nugget. There, I mean, those you're just get lumping a lot of different things together. It's almost like it's almost too much to process. Um, dude, I'm it sorry. Smells, it's, it's, it smells super boozy. It doesn't taste boozy though. No, I almost I'm just I don't, need I don't it to taste with this. Go ahead. Where is the sourness coming from? I don't know, but it's there. What? Yeah, and it's it's specifically like back sides of my tongue both of the sides of the back of my tongue are like ringing i think that's just like a bitterness response i don't know man maybe it is maybe my mouth's or tongue's miscalibrated or something but this is certainly a unique beer i don't think i've had a beer quite like this before so that's something yeah i had a megalodon tooth around here somewhere and i can't i don't know where it went that time was with an n yeah. Yeah. The I don't understand why they spelled it with an M. Megalodon is like, you know, the largest shark that ever lived. So my guess is like back in the day, they decided to make up a myth that something like a megalodon was protecting Atlantis, but it was a megalodon. Yeah. I don't know. You know? I don't either. I'm not going to spend much time researching it either because I know megalodons were real. Sure. They're the coolest, like the, the coolest shark ever. Yeah. Did you see the movie? No. It's fine. It's, you know, if you liked yeah. underwater at all, you'd probably like the Meg. It was called the Meg, by the way. Okay. Uh, so I'm, I'm Googling Megalodom, and the only thing mm-hmm. coming up is Ninkasi. Yeah. I wonder if, do you, you can't, there's no way they made a typo that bad and just rolled with it, right? Or, or Megalodon was like trademarked. Oh, maybe. Yeah. Uh, yeah, dude. Um, you can't trademark a, a creature though. I don't, I wouldn't think we got to find out about this. This is potentially the biggest typo in the history of craft beer. I might be, I, I might be inflating that a bit, but still. well, no, cause they even acknowledge it also like queen of the doms. Yeah. Do you think maybe they're just making up? Is there, okay. Okay. Is there a famous dominatrix named Meg? I guess I'll put that. On, <laughs> I'll put that in my search history. We'll see what happens. Uh, so yeah, and like, I'm not finding anything about a megalodon that doesn't exist. Yeah. Um, no. Okay, Megan the stallion unleashes her inner dominatrix. I'm not clicking that one. Uh, <laughs> Megan the stallion's a great rapper, man. Oh, that's a rapper. Yeah. Okay, hang on. Let's do some digging. It's the stallion, Megan the stallion. Yeah, stallion. She's a business. But okay, is she like? Is that her thing? Is like dominatrix? Like, does she wear all the get up on stage or something? I don't know. Maybe she wanted to at one point. Yeah, maybe. Um. Well, this is seems like a weird rabbit hole that's not going to have a satisfying conclusion. So, yeah. I guess we just chalk it up to what it is and Are- agree it doesn't make sense. Are you familiar with the song Savage? No. Because you should be. It's awesome. Well, I don't know if this helps you at all, but again, Blow the Man Down was directed by somebody named Bridget Savage Cole. Co-directed. Oh. Maybe that. You know, maybe. Maybe that means something. Uh, probably yeah. not. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I probably shouldn't just listen to that song right now, though, huh? No, For probably not. Pleasure. Oh, you oh, said okay. should? I should, yeah. You definitely should not. <laughs> okay, fine. I'll uh, do it later. Yeah, we'll check it out later.
I'm a savage. Um, all right. Well, the Megalodom. Megalodom. Anatrix. It's not it's not for me. I don't think this beer I is. like it. Okay. I like it. I think your mouth is broken. Have you tried like scraping your tongue or uh I don't know, drinking some water? Oh yeah, keep it cleanse. I keep my tongue scraper right here next to my <laughs> computer. I know it's you just... do. That's like your it's like your fetish. Uh speaking of doms. Um I don't know, man. It's I don't know. I don't know what, what don't one... you like about it. I don't Come like on. you how have it lots tastes. of words. I don't like how it's tastes. <laughs> You know, that's it or whatever. Really? Yeah. I don't know if that's a big factor for you guys listening. If you, if the way the beer tastes matters to you, but if that's a big factor for me, I like how Matt, you just got so passive aggressive. Look, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if you shitheads out there like how things taste. <laughs> you need to pick a lane, my friend. Half the time you're telling me be more direct and you're like, oh, love be it. opinionated. I'm trying. Okay, so it's really, it's like just legit. And I'm being serious though. Like legitimately just like front to back. You just don't like how it tastes. It's not even that I don't like the entire experience. There's a certain certain point when I'm drinking this that it's like whammo, sour punch, right? To That's the, it's this could have said sour patch kid and it'd be like first it's hoppy or first it's yeah, no. First it's See, that sour then it's hoppy is what it could I don't said. know if you got a bad can or what cuz I get a ton of bitterness. Like it's very hoppy bitter. And I don't know if that's just making your mouth water or if, like, somehow you got a bad can. This is strange because, yeah, I get more bitterness. It tastes like a bitter, hoppy IPA. I don't, I, I don't know, that's dude. That's strange. Yeah. Like, because, hey, let's be real. After that talk about us not knowing about brewing, I know bitter beers. And this is not registering as a bitter beer. This is registering to my brain as a tangy, failed like open fermentation, like um, what was that beer? What? That, what was the beer that Stone made? The IPA with the lactobacillus or something? No, it was Brett. It was a Brett IPA. Like that kind of tanginess is coming through in this. It's not mm. quite as funky, but just as tangy. That's and it's so weird. And you don't have like I think you might have legitimately got a bad can. I don't know how it's possible. I don't either, because like 50-50 chance you got that one and I got this one. I bought two tall cans and yeah, you just got the one like I grabbed. Were, they were probably from the same fermentation tank and like put on the same pallet and then shipped off. Yeah, what does the can say on the bottom of yours? Mine says best by 6-1-20. See, my year's gone, but also 6-1. So they probably okay. used to say 20. Yeah. So yeah, same batch for sure. That's wild, man. That doesn't even make sense. Well, we're like, so you, you're you're talking about game for this beer. Like, what does that mean to you? Where Like, you'd love this or is like pretty good? Uh, I'd say it's solid. I wouldn't say, I mean, it's big. It, to me, it's like I smell the booze and like I can just tell like if I drink this whole can, I'd be a little trashed. Are you going to drink the whole can? Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I am Obviously. too. Let's be real. Like this is, uh, we're trying to be professional and thorough here. I'm going to drink it also. Like that. I and again, so it's above like a four for me. It's not, it's not undrinkable. But there's like this weird anomaly of a sour flavor coming through when I drink it. And it's so strange to me that it's almost off putting. And you're drinking it out of a glass, right? I am. That's so weird. I'm going to buy you another can of this and see if you no, feel the No, don't. Same. Okay, great. Sounds good. <laughs> no, uh, that'd be so bad. Yeah. So uh, that's the other thing kind of throwing me off is like it does smell super boozy. I almost don't get any sweetness or hops on the nose. It's it's just all like hot alcohol. And then I drink it and almost none of it comes through. So that's kind of a weird thing that I'm experiencing too. Yeah, it does have a real wonky, weird flavor. I'm not going to say it's sour, okay, but it's like there is a, a an amalgam of hops 
that is happening that is just like um I agree it's like maybe a little too much. I think it's good. Uh, I think it was the warmer like it's warming up slightly in my mm-hmm. glass and mm-hmm. I'm not enjoying it nearly as much. Gotcha. Um but I think it is good. I don't know uh, if they needed that many hops, yeah, like what would possess you to to use six, seven different types of hops? Like, calm, calm it down, guys. That's so many. Yeah, exactly. I think it, and they all do kind of different things. And I think it's possible that this beer tries to do too much. I know, like the ones that jump out to me in particular are the Citra and the Equinox. Like, I don't know, man. It's such a weird pairing to me. Yeah. And like throw in throw in some Amarillo and Azaka, which again I don't love, but I don't even know that I'm tasting Azaka. Who knows what I'm tasting? Sour. Why? Yeah. Why would they? I don't know. That's a weird move. Yeah. So many. So, hops. All right. This is a weird beer. How much? I think we, we can, can all agree on that. Yeah. This is a weird beer. It's a weird beer. It's, yeah. It's big. I think I I I like it more than I dislike it. I don't think it's gonna get like out of the sixes for me. Yeah, man. I I would say that I I like most of my drinking experience. But there's a part of that tasting that I hate. I like everything about this beer, but how it tastes. See, I like 75% of how it tastes. But there's just, a, like the, there's just a quarter in there where I'm like, Ugh, and then I finish and I'm like, okay, that's pretty good. What, I just like love. Am I right? Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> and there goes our PG-13. Actually, I think that oh, still qualifies. Shit. Probably. I just said love, man. Love is PG. I guess it's what I said. I guess your follow-up made what I said disgusting. So that's yeah. Funny. That's, That's fair. <laughs> uh, I think, I mean, you know, yeah. Why do oh, people a joke listen to the show? <laughs> there's a joke in there somewhere about uh, lovemaking and being guided by your parents that I'm not going to make. I don't even know the joke, but I'm so glad you're not making it. Well, I'm just saying, you know, lovemaking no, being PG. PG stands for parental guidance, you know. Okay, like, okay. You know. You know. I don't fully know what you're onto, but I just appreciate the, uh, the um, sort of... Uh, it, well, you, you know, know, I just don't think your parents should have hands-on, uh, you know, teaching when it comes to lovemaking. <laughs> yep. Okay. And then that's where that's where we lost it. I was appreciating well, the vagueness, and now it's spelled out. Yeah, it's fine. What are you gonna do? What are you gonna do? What can you I don't do, know. Really? I mean, this ten this ten percent beer is making me say some crazy shit. <laughs> I'm not responsible for what's happening right now. Uh, all right. Well, I guess you want to rate it, or do you want to drink it some more? Talk about hot and bothered. Um, come back and rate it. Whatever you want to do, man. It's your show. As I, much as it's mine. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, I vote fifty percent of my vote. Well, of the vote, sure. says we rate it now. Yeah, okay, I'll, I'll I'll back you up with the other fifty. All right, I'm gonna give this beer. Wait, 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 six- wait, 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 wait. Sorry, I have to drink it one more time. I just need to make sure I have mine. Okay, you you do yours. I'm gonna smell it. I'm gonna drink it. Oh, one more time. Okay. I yeah. Okay, I got mine. Oh, yeah. I haven't rated a beer this. Um, I haven't split hairs this much in a beer in a while. It's it's become less pleasant okay. the warmer it gets. Are you still in the sixes? No, it's a five point nine. Five nine. I'm a four point nine. Yeah, it's. It sounds right. Yeah, it's. Mm, I feel like it doesn't need to be this high in ABV or have this many hops. Like they could have made a better quality beer. Yeah, I actually think I'm a four. I'm not a four point nine. I'm a four. Wow, that it's just not dropped that, a it's, whole point. Yeah, it's not that close to average. It's it's below average, pretty pretty obviously to me. Yeah. What is uh What is the price on this baby? Uh, I think it was like five bucks. Five whole doll hairs. Yeah, I, it's actually. I mean, it's a pretty good price for as much alcohol right? as you're getting. <laughs> 
I but, don't want alcohol. I mean, but I don't want to. This is a slippery slope because, like, again, it's uh, <laughs> uh, you know, like get a four loco if you want just alcohol. <laughs> so I, I saw, yeah. I saw a guy sound asleep by the dumpster at uh, Chico Natural Foods today yeah. with a can of blueberry four loco yeah, by his head. If you're trying to go to sleep. Drink two Four Locos and spend $5. So, yep. okay, that's Megalodon. It's a 5.9 for you. It's a 4.000000 for me. And I think that's moving on. What do you think? Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah. <laughs> All right, yeah. man. Well, then let's jump into Hot and Bothered. Um, I'm going to go ahead and say just a quick little hot that I have uh, is that I tuned up my bike for the basically the first time this year. And I went on a ride, did like 10 miles, a nice little warm-up thing. Uh, and then I came back and I had that heady topper that you got for me. And it was a lovely nice. bike riding experience. There you go. Excellent. Uh, yeah. Would you have anything that's gotten you hot? Let's do bothered last. I don't have anything that's gotten me bothered. Oh, well, then knock out your hots. Let's do it. I'm I'm all hot, baby. I'm all hot. <laughs> um, one's a show. One's an event. Uh, the show that we have been watching, we started a long time ago and kind of got burned out on uh, was Mad Men, oh, and okay. we decided to pick that up uh, and just kind of commit to like another season and see how it goes. And it sucked me and Shalina in so quick uh, with the writing and the character development. Uh, we're, I believe, in season three or four, and it just keeps getting better, like consecutively, mm. like season after season, like it episode episode by after episode even. It keeps getting better, and the characters get more complex, and they're dealing with more uh, real life issues, and like dealing with like toxic masculinity, and like being a woman in the workplace in the sixties. Yeah, and, like, there's so many fascinating aspects of this show, and just it's interesting seeing how life was so much different in the sixties versus now. Um, I know it's probably a little late to the game, or if you've never taken the time to watch it, and you're on quarantine right now, and you need some content, I think. First of all, it's going to make you want whiskey and a cigarette. Fair. So just shake hands with that. <laughs> uh, if you smoke or if you're trying to quit, don't, don't watch the don't show. Don't watch the show. Because <laughs> Don Draper is like, Don Draper is essentially like Arthur. And that's or Archer. That's, that's John Hamm, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. He's essentially like real life Archer. He's just like always drinking whiskey and smoking cigarettes. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Um, but yeah, really good show, man. Surprisingly deep. And even John Hamm's character, he's this kind of, uh, you know, cartoonish alpha masculine portrait of just a man in the sixties. And you kind of eventually as the seasons go by, get to see him way more humanized and broken a little bit. And like, it's really interesting the way they wrote his character because yeah, he could have been this one dimensional thing. And then they turn him into this character with different layers and stuff and it's just a really worthwhile show i think i overlooked it the first time so yeah. i'm gonna i'm gonna recommend revisiting it so it's clear to me that i i'm wrong at this point but in my brain up until about now i thought the Mad Men was basically like a 60s office drama akin to like entourage and the first season felt really bro-y yeah like you're not wrong i think that's part of why i got a little burned out i'm like yeah. Is this what this show is going to be like? Slapping secretaries on the ass? And yeah, like that kind whiskey? of thing. It's like okay, you know, and you know that's a large part of it is representing that's what culture was like at that time period. Mm -hmm. um, sure, but it advances past that in a very—I um, I don't want to say elegant, but like a very 
the writing is very skillful, and it, it takes an interesting approach to that, and it becomes much, much more than that as these characters develop. Gotcha. Okay. Um, am so I am I tripping I, out too, or is Elizabeth Moss in, Elizabeth Moss in this? Is she the one from um, the the yes. one we just did about the invisible yes. guy? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, she's one of the main characters. It's, it's called the Invisible Guy. <laughs> the, yeah. yeah, that one. It's, yeah, the Invisible Guy movie. <laughs> Uh, okay, yeah, sure. What was it called? You it can't was called see The Invisible Man. Was it really? The Invisible Boy was the was the prequel. It was so close. And The Invisible Geezer is the sequel. Yeah, The Invisible, Invisible Adolescent was part two. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, that's my flick pick. Or not flick pick, my hot. Because, I, yeah, like I said, I think I overlooked it a little bit, and it's been fun going back. And it's it's better than I gave it credit for at first. Nice, dude. Okay, so you mentioned a show, and you also said you have an event that's got you hot. Yeah, uh, this last Saturday was the first live sporting event for many of like the major sports that was back oh. on television. Uh, this last Saturday was UFC 249. It was held in uh, Florida, Jacksonville, Florida, and there was no fans there. That's it good. Was, That's yeah. Nice. The the commentators sat on like Joe Rogan and all the, the other two commentators, John Anik and um, oh god. Uh, Daniel Cormier sat on different sides of the the ring, and uh, yeah, there was no fans, just a camera crew, the announcers, you know, essential staff only. Uh, yeah. And everyone was tested. They had every, all the fighters stayed in like the same facility for two weeks leading up to the fight for wow. quarantining. Yeah, they really like set a precedent for what how sports could go forward. Yeah, they were all getting tested every day. That's uh, which great, was man. really fascinating. And one of them actually, a fighter got diagnosed with COVID and wasn't able to fight. So they got a replacement that everyone signed off on, but they were super on top of it. And um, it was very surreal seeing a UFC event with no fans. Uh, I, yeah, it was sure fascinating how well you could hear everything. I was going to say, um, like, I, I would almost prefer that. Yeah. In a lot of ways, it was it was preferable. It was really interesting. Uh, some of the best fights I've ever seen, too. They had a really stacked card. Mm. It was fun. Uh, and it definitely felt like something we as a culture kind of needed at this point. You yeah, know? interesting. Some sort of, you know, a, such a big part of the the normalcy of, of people in this country is just watching sports and having those hobbies that they enjoy, spectating. And uh, it felt like a return to normalcy. To, it was the first... Saturday that actually felt like a Saturday mm. since all this started happening. Interesting. And, yeah. And for me, if nothing else, that feeling of just like it's Saturday night and I'm watching fights and this is like normal life. That was worth the price of the pay-per-view by itself. Just to have that feeling of normalcy and a Saturday feel. It was great time. So all right. Well, my I have a couple questions. Yeah. Um was the was the event on pay-per-view more expensive? Uh no. Okay, so they're just losing money on ticket sales, probably. Yes. Um, yeah. I wonder but, what... Go ahead. But they've been losing money. They've had to cancel like five events That's since true. this all happened. Yeah. So, yeah, I'd rather lose money on ticket sales than not have an event and pay, sell zero pay-per-views. Yeah, totally. I wonder if if some of the quality of the fight you're describing is because there was like not however many thousands of people are there to distract the fighters. Yeah, I was actually speaking to Shalene about that during that event. That was like, you know, it's interesting because this is almost like a fight in a gym. Yeah, right. Like these the, You could focus so much. And at one point, the announcers, like Joe Rogan and, and DC, were even saying, like, 
we have to like not talk so loud because the fighters can hear us yeah. when we're announcing the fights and saying what they should do. Yeah, because he's like, yeah right. Because <laughs> Joe Rogan's like always shouting. Yeah, exactly. Because I guess you have and to, like, but still. Yeah, but yeah, when you're announcing, you're talking like a normal voice, just like this. Like, there's yeah. no one in this giant arena. Everyone can hear you. Yeah, um, I almost feel so like that yeah, would make I, it like way sexier. Like if you're like, all right, hey, so now the fighter's gonna go into a, you know, a, right, a rear naked choke. We get like NPR slash golf <laughs> announcing. Yeah, that'd like, be great. Ooh, or tennis. Nasty, nasty up kick there. Yeah, yeah. Man, I wonder I, like the 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 like the the dynamic shift both in adrenaline but also focus. Like, I wonder what sports would be like if we just had the teams or the fighters or the individuals, whatever, going up against each other without fans. Yeah, interesting. It's inter- it is because you know you could extrapolate and say that is such a huge factor uh, for any spectrum of negative to positive for every yeah. sport. I mean, think about that, like basketball like, free throws, like. The, yeah, the vibe of like the opposing team's fans trying to throw you off. Exactly. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. It would add a level of pure neutrality to every sport. Yeah. Which, I'm I into mean, it. In, yeah. In some ways it makes it more pure. Mm-hmm. But in some ways, you know, fans are just a part of it and they have been for his, in like all of history. So yeah, you'd be losing something of it. But also I would rather have sports with no fans than no sports at all. So Totally. You know, like if they bring back baseball this year and and I can't go, I'm still going to watch because, you know, some is better than nothing. I just saw an article that they had uh, the first uh, professional baseball games back in Taiwan and they put cardboard cutouts of people and animals in all the (laughs) seats. That seems expensive. I know, but like pretty funny. Makes for a good photo. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. This is strange, but yeah. It was, anyways, it was cool to have some sports to watch again. Well, good man. I'm glad. I'm glad that worked out. I, as you know, I'm not a huge fan of UFC. I used to be, but I do appreciate the idea of re- returning to some type of normalcy, like you said, in a way that demonstrates to the fans of whatever that might be, like we're taking what's happening seriously. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I, yeah, I feel like I don't, I don't want to stereotype too many different sports, but like I'm sure there are different types of fans, like like the people that watch. Um, I don't know, uh, table tennis are not the same people that watch UFC. Right. And I like the idea that a large corporation, especially one as big as UFC is like, Hey, this pandemic is real and we're taking the threat of it seriously. And subconsciously, maybe you should too. Exactly. It's a cool thing. You know, but also, you know, being able to find a a sense of normalcy and, you know, perseverance and continuing on and, you know, the show must go on. But it has to go on under this set of new circumstances and the conscientiousness of the UFC to to continue on in that that cautious sense. I agree. It's, yeah. it's very good. You know, it's good to see. Well, speaking of quarantines, if you don't mind, there's a film that came out in 1981 by John Carpenter called Escape from New York. In this film, New York, the island of Manhattan, has been turned into Basically a giant prison with no rules. The only rules are you got to, if you're put in there, you stay in there forever. Uh, and it stars Kurt Russell and others. But the, Snake oh, Bliskin. Snake Bliskin. Uh, and the letterbox synopsis says this. In 1997, this again, this is 1981, so that was way far in the future. The island of Manhattan, everything I just said, uh, in the country's worst criminals are left to form their own Antarctic, Antarctic society. Antarctic. 
However, when the president, <laughs> very, it's very, very cold, cold very cold. When the president of the United States crash lands on the island, the authorities turned to a former soldier and current convict to rescue uh, him, the president, not himself. Um, and if you are into '80s movies or potentially movies in general, you know about Escape from New York. Yep. Uh, or if you know John Carpenter, it's like it's a thing in culture, and I'd never seen it, so I thought, well, okay. This is available to me. Um, I think it was probably on Prime, and I was like, "I'll I'll watch it." Um, I don't want to rustle too many feathers here, but I did not like it almost at all. Yeah, it, it was cool for a minute. Like again, it was like a different era, and practical effects are a different thing than they are now. And obviously, CGI is not really a thing. They clearly got the technological advancements of 1997 very wrong. And all of that's <laughs> forgivable. But what I could not forgive is the total lack of emotional connection I had to any of these characters. The dialogue was nuts. Kurt Russell was just the king of overacting, apparently. I did like mm-hmm. I- Isaac Hayes. He did a really good job as the Duke of New York. But in general, for me and forever on in my brain, this is a garbage movie. And I can't help yeah. it. I can't, I can't get away from it. I tried to, <laughs> by the way. I was, I tried to like reframe it in my mind. Like, all right, I, all these reasons that I should be able to forgive this. And it's just not, not for me, I guess just didn't work yeah. out. And it was real well, bad. You know, if that's not one of those movies that you grew up with and you don't have like a, a healthy dose, dose of nostalgia when yeah. watching it, then yeah. Like to just come at that movie with fresh eyes. Uh, I can't say that it's probably the best movie. You know what I mean? It's yeah. not going to be, but like, yeah, it's almost like uh, you know, like Indiana Jones and Temple of Doom. Like, yeah, it's kind of a weird movie to like watch right now and enjoy. Love that movie though. Yeah, Love if it, it doesn't have that connotation in your mind of yeah. being an absolute classic, then it's going to be kind of hard to absorb that as new information. Because yeah, totally, a lot of movies from that era are so over the top. Shout out Sylvester Stallone. Uh, yeah, um, or Jean Claude Van Damme. Do you remember the movie Over the Top that I just referenced? Oh, is that what you were saying? Yeah. No, I absolutely don't know that movie. Over the Top was a movie about competitive arm wrestling with <laughs> Sylvester Stallone. That's and that awesome. was his move, bro. You, you go. You that's, go a good, the, that's a good uh, Sylvester, man. That's really, yeah, I've over, never heard you do that. Over the Top, gay. It's really good. Yeah. It's great. You should pull up a trailer for Over the Top I'm, and watch it. I'm pulling like, it up oh right now. Oh, my God. The, oh, yeah. Okay. Because like, like if they released the movie <laughs> Bloodsport today. Yeah. Oh my god, it's, it'd be garbage. But the fact that I've loved that movie since I could like walk, like I was like Bloodsport was the shit, dude. Bloodsport freaked oh. me out. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I saw it when I was pretty young, and like somebody killed the other guy, and I was like, "This is scary." Yeah, at the is one at one point is? where like the guy gets his back snapped over the guy's knee. Yeah, yeah. Ugh. These I'm, so I'm looking at different movie trailers for Over the Top, and it, who's 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 the bad guy here? Who's this guy? Just a big guy, like an inflated Stone Cold Steve Austin looking dude. Yep. Over the top came out the year <laughs> I was born, dude. Did it? Yep. 1987. It's, uh, you know, it kind of looks like like a generic, like almost like a low budget Rocky meets the Karate Kid. Yeah. In some ways. Isn't this, didn't this come out after Rocky? Um, like, yeah. When did the first Rambo come out? Like, this is post-Rambo. I don't he know, dude. This. He was doing Rambo for two. So I think, over, yeah, over the top was that. Um, Rambo was, uh, I think, a little bit later. Can we just talk about Sylvester Stallone's name in this movie? What is His it? name in Over the Top is Lincoln Hawk. 
Awesome. That's so like Lincoln Hawk, Snake Pliskin. Like, what are these names? <laughs> Dude, oh, for also, real. First Blood, Rambo First Blood was 1982. So this was after that. Yeah. So like he has a successful, very <laughs> successful <laughs> franchise. <laughs> I, he probably made two or three Ra- Rambo movies by this time. That's so and nuts. Like he's Rocky. He's Rambo. I think Cobra came out before this. Yeah. Remember Cobra? Nope. But I know it exists. I just, I just never saw it. Dude, Cobra, the bad guy in Cobra scared the shit out of me. Really? Oh, yeah. So, yeah, Rambo came out. So, first of all, Rocky came out a long time ago. The first yeah. Rocky came out in 1976. Did it. So, like a good yeah. 10 years before this. Yeah. So, we had Rocky. We had Rocky 2. We had Rocky 3. Rambo First Blood Part 1. Wait, wait, and wait. wait. Part all, two. Th- all three of those Rockies came out before Rambo? Uh, let me see. He's got, he's been Rocky in so two. many movies. Rocky, Rocky oh. 2, Rocky 3, and then Rambo First Blood. Wow. They knocked those right? out quick. And then Rambo Part 2, and then Rocky 4, then Cobra, <laughs> and then this movie about arm wrestling. Do you think, like, I don't know. Do you think somebody was just like, hey, Sylvester, like, you know how, you know how, like, boxing's big, right? But you know how arm wrestling's even bigger? And he was like, I'm not going to try. No. Yeah. No, I don't know that. <laughs> well, they're like, trust me, this is really going to put you on people's radar. Hey, you know, uh, whatever you say, I'll arm wrestle oh, over the top, baby, God, right? Where is that? Yeah. Dude, he's been in a lot of movies. He has. And if you haven't, I'm telling you, dude, if you haven't seen uh, Scort Cobra, that movie's okay. terrifying. Yeah. Uh, he's awesome in it, but the bad guy was so scary when I was a kid. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. I want to look at, like, I'm looking under over the top. I'm seeing how it did in the box office. Um, I mean, in in the year it came out, it made uh, $11.5 million. I don't think that's adjusted for inflation. I think that's actual 80s money. So That's, n- that's not the worst. pretty good. <laughs> Yeah. That said, it has 27% on Rotten Tomatoes. Do you know he was in Death Race 2000 in 1975? Yeah, I saw that. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah. That was before Rocky. That's wild. Yeah. His first movie ever was The Party at Kitty and Studs. That sounds... And he played... Oh, my God, it is. Wait. It's a 1970 American softcore porn romance film. directed, Directed by Morton Lewis and starring Sylvester Stallone. Stallone worked two days and was paid two hundred dollars. Uh, this is Wikipedia. Um, Can I? Re- I'm going to read the IMDb. Wow. I'm going to read this. Okay, you ready? Yeah. Kitty sure. and Stud are lovers. <laughs> Great. They enjoy a robust sex life, which includes fellatio, <laughs> light S and M, and specifically studded belt whipping of Kitty. Three women come over for a party, and Stud services them one after the other. Just to be clear, there's nobody named Meg in this that comes in fully leathered up. Uh, no, not that I can see. So no so, Meg the Dom. So is is this like a fact that like Sylvester Stallone was kind of in a porn? A softcore porn, though it is uh, rated X. So, you know, wow. the 80s though, who knows? Who knows? Or 1970? Yeah, who knows what softcore meant then? I feel like if you, like a 70s softcore rating is like 90s hard x nc17 like will <laughs> yeah, not maybe. show this yeah like serbian level graphicness i'm gonna need to try and find like a copy of that somewhere you let me know how it goes 
I'm gonna I'm a, I'm on a quest for the party at Kitty and Studs. Good lord, that's amazing. Well, I guess knowing that when somebody was like, you just have to know Sylvester said yes to this, so you betcha he's gonna say yes to an arm wrestling movie. Right, best deal ever. Absolutely, yeah, hundred percent. He's in. That's a weird tangent. So, yeah, again, you should watch Over the Top. Okay, <laughs> I will watch that. You watch uh, Kitty and Studs, and we'll call it even. There you go. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, uh, Escape from New York is the point. That was my bother. Did not like that movie, uh, and won't watch it again. So fair enough. Uh, fair enough. Do you want to enter what we call the old danger zone for some spoilers? Let's, let's enter. All right, we're going in. Danger zone. And we're in the danger zone. Oh, my God. So uh, let's talk Blow the Man Down spoilers, if you'd like. Yeah, let's do it. Did you want to start her off? Well, I actually think that in general, this movie is... I mean, I mentioned that some of the, the twists and turns and sort of surprises don't really catch maybe the most uh, astute viewer off guard, but I don't think it really matters. So there's not anything I really think we need to spoil too much in terms of understanding slash appreciating this movie, but I'm happy mm. to talk anything that you do want to talk about in terms of divulging the plot. I, I definitely agree with you. Uh, I did, I had mentioned to you, I think off air, uh, the f- a couple of things that I wanted to just touch on. Um, the fact that like it felt almost a little confused and I wanted it to be a little bit more of oh, one yeah. of the few things it was trying to be um but in the same breath like i think it was pretty well balanced like um but i would like i don't know it seemed like i get it it could have gone deep and been like a crime drama and then it would have gone like full fargo sure um but i think it really struck me overall as like what would happen if regular ass people like had to deal with this situation and i think if they didn't want to go any further than that with like the crime drama aspect of it and what they did. Cause I mean, in hindsight, there was a lot of a crime drama aspect yeah. to it. Yeah. You know, looking at the other characters, it's just, you know, maybe I want like the main character to, you know, become a drug kingpin or something. Sure. Like, there's a, a whole, like an, a Hollywood ideal of what you think a movie like this should be. And then you look at that through that lens and it could be disappointing instead of just looking at it for what it was and, yeah. and liking it for that. Yeah, I mean, I think that's sort of the thing that you're talking about is the thing that I appreciated, which is that I, you know, it 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 offset my expectations and gave me something different, which again, mm-hmm. like I'm super here for it. That sounds great. Um, so I I pushed back against that quite a bit just because it was, you know, I after that dude took a little pull from his vape cartridge, I was like, all right, let's see what happens. I have no idea, and mostly that yeah. stayed true. Yeah, totally. And, you know, I ended up really liking it. And when you kind of have, you have to let those preconceived notions go or like your desires for what you want a movie to be instead, just judge it on what it is. Yeah. Um, and I, I did, there is one thing I will say, I wanted to know more and see more of why those three little old ladies are so badass. Yeah. I mean, I think like, they hint at it throughout the thing. They like, do. So before um, the mama Connolly dies of whatever illness she was dealing with, like, Sounds like it was the five of them. It was the three old ladies plus the mom plus uh, uh, Enid. Enid. And they kind of, you know, they started this brothel and then one by one we're slowly like, all right, this isn't maybe as necessary or as kosher as we thought it was. So let's kind of back off on, you know, prostituting out strange young girls to sailors and carry on with our lives. And Enid's like, no way. This is, this is my thing. I like, this is, I like being 
the madam of a brothel at slash crime boss standing in a neo noir. And right. I, so I get it. Like I, I would for sure watch a prequel to this, like with those five women and their exploits early on. That'd be a great movie. Yeah, absolutely. But I do. I yeah. Agree. I see what you're saying. But I mean, the fact that they left it kind of vague, I think made them a little bit more badass. Like you don't have to show people flexing their power. Yeah. Just, for the implication to be there that they are, they run everything. I mean, that's the, so. that's like the, the golden rule of the Godfather really like, yeah. Yeah. Like you, I mean, based on the final shot of the movie of her rinsing out, they find the, you know, if you haven't seen it, they find the, um, ice chest that the two girls put the dead dude in and she's like, mm-hmm. just hosing it off business as usual. And I feel like yep. that says way more than an hour and a half prequel could say. Exactly. Just her face. Like, yeah, you know, another day in paradise. Mm hmm. Pretty nuts. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. No, I I liked the layers of this movie, and I think I kind of want to watch it again, honestly. It, it certainly, I don't think, would get worse with a rewatch. No, it, I don't think so either. Because, again, it's like I don't think that the twists are so, um, so uh, unpredictable that it's mm-hmm. only good if you don't know what's happening. Like I think you can see what's coming enough if you've seen movies, like if you've seen enough neo-noir or film noir, like you kind of see where it's going. So I think the actual yeah. um, value in this comes from the stuff that continually subverts those expectations. And I think you'll appreciate those more the more that you see them. Yep. Or one, I agree. one, one might. Mm-hmm. 100%. Yeah. Um, I, don't th- I don't think I have anything else I really need to like spoil or anything. I don't um, think so either. No. I mean, we don't really need to like go through the plot and tell you what happened at the no. end. I think it's, it's worth watching. I think if, most people in this day and age have access to Amazon Prime, so I'd just say go watch it. Yeah, and if you don't, it's probably, I don't know, it's got to be less than 20 bucks to rent. So it actually came out, well, yeah, it's probably like 10 bucks to rent. So just go rent it if you don't have Amazon Prime. Yeah, 100%. Agreed um, wholeheartedly. All right, well, we have recorded our bonus content for Patreon. If you want to hear us talk more about stuff, uh, like Johnny teased at the beginning, we got some more stuff coming uh, next week. Although I think you teased that on bonus content, didn't you? I did. So then I'm going to tease it here next week on our bonus content on Patreon exclusively. We're going to be sampling all of the new hard kombuchas coming out from Sierra Nevada. And we've got a lot of fun stuff going back years on Patreon at this point. So if you want to hear us review stuff or just talk about our lives, check out patreon.com slash fresh hop cinema. Uh, this podcast would not be what it is without the support of Bailey and Lisa Minardi. And that's Johnny Summers. That's Max Minardi. We love you guys. We'll see you next week. This is Fresh Hop Cinema.